All right. Now we're ready. Hi, I'm Patricia. Welcome to the 75th episode of A Breath of Song. I'm so glad you chose to do this today, which is extra special because Heather Houston is joining us for a songwriter conversation. Hi, Heather. Welcome. Hi. We were both giving double waves. (laughs) Pablo Casals said, music is the divine way to tell beautiful, poetic things to the heart. We are here to let our heart hear those beautiful poetic things. Your voice is exactly what's needed for this. I'm coming to you straight from my home in what is now called Burlington, Vermont, on the unceded lands of the Abenaki people. And Heather, tell us where you're calling from. I am in Santa Cruz, California, and this is the unceded territory of the Awaswas-speaking Yupi tribe. And these lands are still stewarded by the Amamutsin Tribal Band, which is a band of tribes from all over the Bay Area that still steward these lands. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. All of our voices will turn up as they are today, where they are today. And no matter what, we can feel the connection to our breath and vibration in our body. Let's find how good it can feel to sing. So last week I shared Heather's song, Equinox Blessing, Shadows and Light. Today Heather will be teaching us a song of hers called Easy Does It. We'll learn it slowly so it can settle inside you and you can begin to trust it as a resource. Let it move you into a state of flow, a song you can come back to. Then we get to enjoy a conversation with Heather and we'll close out with the song again at the end. You can always find the episode on the website, abreathofsong.com or wherever you get your podcasts, of course, and listen as many times as you'd like. Let's start with a little bit of a warm-up, just a yawn stretch. Oh, maybe roll your shoulders a little bit. Oh, stretch into your back. Let your voice creak, slide. And try feeling into maybe your rib cage and just noticing as the breath goes into the rib cage what happens And as it comes out, what kind of sound it carries. And another breath, letting it settle down into your belly, moving those organs out of the way. And as it leaves, let it carry whatever it wants. And another breath down all the way into the pelvic bowl, feeling the connection. And as it releases, letting it carry. And let's try some slides on your next exhale. Whenever it happens, let your voice slide. Always think of slip sliding away when I start doing this. happens if you let your lips and your face feel fat and loose as you slide. Yeah. How about if you scrunch up really tight and small? Cat noises. And opening wide to soft dog noises. Oh. Mm. 
almost feel like I could drool. <laughs> almost. Uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I don't mind if you do. <laughs> oh, good. You're the only one who can <laughs> see me right now. Heather, I'm going to turn it over to you to share this song. Okay, fantastic. Thanks for having me today, Patricia. It's such an honor to be here. This song, called Easy Does It Now, came through when I sat down with my Shruti box one day and wanted to compose a song in the moment for my Art of Mindful Singing class, which is a, a fundamentals singing class meets vocal meditation. And I love warming my voice up with ease and ooze. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to sit down and just sing the vowel E and see what comes through. And this whole song <laughs> came through. It was so much fun to receive mm. this song and mm. to have the slides in there because it really helps to get the vocal cords warmed up as well. So it's just a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy singing it with me. All right. So I'm playing an Indian instrument called a Shruti box. It's a drone instrument. So let's just all take a nice deep breath. And just sigh on your exhale. And just beginning to hum on this root note. Feeling the vibration of your sound inside your body. to the jaw so it stays nice and relaxed. We're going to sing the vowel E. One more time. Good. Now listening. you to really feel the sound on the word sound. Sound. One more time together. Sound. So I like to tell my students to not go any faster than they can feel, than they can have awareness of their voice. So we're going nice and slow in this song to begin. So easy does it now, slow it down, feel the sound, 
Let's do that together. you breathe as you Oftentimes when we sing E's, we'll get kind of tight and a little bit too much of a smile, right, to try to reach it. And if you can, relax your jaw and give yourself an inner smile. Lift the cheekbones and an upper smile. Lift the eyes. Here we go from the beginning. Easy does it Do that again. Tune. Listening. Croon. 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 Listening. Soon. Now you. the word swoon, I invite you to 
Really move your spine, undulate your spine and your body and really swoon at the feeling of your own voice. Just feels so yummy. So tune, croon, swoon. Again, together. Uh, sorry, my bad. Tune. <laughs> Tune. Now back to the top. Easy does it. Does 
thingy. Hey, what a delicious <laughs> way to warm up, to <laughs> slide into your voice. We have singers of all levels of experience who listen to this podcast and sing with us. And you, of course, are a very experienced singer. Tell me a little bit about what happens in your body, in your experience, when you sing that song. Hmm. What do you notice? I notice when you ask that question, I get teary. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Oh, gosh, I just, I enjoy the feeling and the sound of my own voice so much. It is so therapeutic for me Mm -hmm. to sing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is foundational for me as a singer is I'm just, I'm so connected to my voice as I sing because why would I want to be anywhere else? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Right? Like, yeah. You know yeah. how the mind tends to wander sometimes. And for me, when I sing, I'm completely embodied, completely mindful because it just feels so good. It's just so mm-hmm. pleasurable for me to sing. So I would say presence would be the word, if there was a word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you say to somebody who comes to their voice? Like I went through years and years of hating to hear my voice, hating mm. the experience of singing because it yep. felt like it wasn't good enough. It didn't sound right. It didn't sound the way it was supposed to sound, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I know people have different ways of coming through that kind of vocal wounding, right? That, that kind yes. of harm that can happen when we yes. start to dislike our own voice. Yes, it's tragic. <laughs> First, I'll say... I taught voice lessons for 20 years. I would see 20, 25 students a week for 20 years. So I, you know, over 10,000 lessons and often, you know, the first time in my studio, they would just sit there and cry. So really the first step with my students is to listen rather than to say anything as much as to just ask questions and to listen to their pain and their grief around it. I feel like that's Mm -hmm. part of the healing is the expression of the grief and the pain. And Mm -hmm. so meeting them there first has always been Mm -hmm. the way that I go about it and holding a really loving container. You know, I just, Mm -hmm. I, I love so easily and so to sit there with my students and just to beam love at them as they tell their stories is I think foundational and that goes for my song circles as well and then from there I like to get people connected with their breath and their voice I know you like to hum as well Patricia Mm. you know just to get people really tuned into how their voice feels because I feel Mm -hmm. like there's a disconnect between what we feel and what we hear. Mm -hmm. And so I really like to teach my students to feel their voice. Like chances are that most of the artists that we, the singers that we love to listen to are really tuned into the feeling of their own Mm -hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I like to take students first is to feel their own voice and get really connected to how it feels and begin to love that without mm. the judgment of how it sounds or the, the sound that they're producing on the outside. Cause it's not about that. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And so we talk about that. And then from there, just continue to meet them where they're at and just talk about how everyone has their own unique voice. Everyone has a voice. We are all born with a voice. And mm -hmm. it's so tragic in our culture that we're taught that if you don't have like a professional singing voice that you shouldn't be singing, right? It's kind mm -hmm. of the, the messaging that we get. And it's so tragic because in so many cultures all over the world and even here, you know, on these lands in the United States, people sang and sang and sang as healing, as ritual, as community. And that's been slowly, slowly stripped from us, mm -hmm. right? So just reminding people that too, like we all are born with this God-given gift to sing and to heal ourselves through our voices. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Going from singing, singing and connecting, feeling one's own voice, to the idea of songs with words and with ideas. Can you tell us a time that you remember witnessing song, something that helped somebody adapt to a situation, either for yourself or for somebody that you observed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I saw it with my students all the time, of course. Mm -hmm. But where I really see it is in my song circles especially on the first mm -hmm. night, because I'll do a series, you know, like a six week or a nine week series. And so women come in and <laughs> they don't really quite all know each other yet. And they're kind of withdrawn and quiet and kind of shy. And that's how I was <laughs> too, as a child. And that's another story, which maybe we'll have time for, maybe we won't. But I watch my students as as we begin to sing in a circle together, their joy starts to bubble up, right? Their hearts start to open. Mm. They start to feel more connected to themselves and to the lyrics and mm -hmm. to the intention behind the lyrics, to the prayer mm -hmm. behind the lyrics. And then they start to connect with each other, you know, and they start to feel more safe. And I just watch over the course of two hours or an hour and a half, depending on the circle, I watch the room come to life. So it's like the songs are feeding everybody, right? <laughs> Along yeah. with the singing, yeah. just the, the energy of the songs themselves, they, they are entities and they hold energy and the lyrics, whew, transcendent. So is it accurate to say that you work primarily with women? You were just talking about your, your groups and women coming into the room. Is, is that yes. accurate? Yes, yes. I'm just wondering what, what is special, what draws you to the energy of an all-women's group? And, and what, what do you think is found there that's harder to find in maybe in a mixed-gender singing group? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll speak from my own experience um, and uh -huh. then go from there. You know, I, I, like I said, I was really shy and quiet and shut down as a child, you know, all the way through high school. I mean, even now, my friends from high school are like, who are you? <laughs> you know, I can sit here and do an interview with you, and I teach all these people um, singing. And anyway, I'm in the public a lot. When I first started singing, and I think this, this is how it is for a lot of people, um, we're kind of performing, right? It's like a, a performance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, musical theater and jazz and the whole thing, right? And I was singing jazz with men a lot. You know, I had a jazz band and sang out a lot. And it was really fun. And one time I went to a concert and watched um, Kitka. Do you know who Kitka is? Yeah. They're a women's vocal ensemble in Oakland. Okay. And they sing Balkan music. When I saw them sing together, something woke up in me. 
I just sobbed through the whole thing. And I was like, this is what I'm missing. I need to sing with women. (laughs) And I didn't even know why. I didn't know why. And I was still at this time really shut down. I was 20, maybe 21. And I, I remember journaling my, my visions about singing with women. And I didn't know why. I just didn't know why in the moment. So I called these two beautiful women into my life, Tamar and Samantha. And we would sit with each other and we would sing. And not only did the songs sing themselves through us and work their harmonies, but they also opened our hearts to mm. each other, to to our own true voices. I know for me, it was always like a performance kind of voice. And then I found my authentic heart voice singing with these women. And that's when I began to songwrite and felt safe to actually open my voice. So there's a safety mm-hmm. that happens in this culture that is predominantly, you know, this patriarchal culture that we're in, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women, myself included, feel unsafe to be our authentic, juicy, yummy, beautiful, passionate, expressive selves. I feel still Mm -hmm. scared to be my juicy, authentic self sometimes in the presence of men for fear of, you know, so many things, which I won't go into right now. So for me to be in a circle of women in, in a trio, I felt safe to truly be myself and truly be myself with my voice and find my heart's song. And so at one point, someone said to me, Heather, you should try leading a, a women's song circle. You know, this was, uh-huh. what, 18, 19 years ago. And I did it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is it. Because all these women, too, they feel safe in the presence of women to really, truly be themselves. Mm-hmm. And to bring through, like, the ritual and the prayer. I mean, not that you can't do that with all genders. For me, I just feel more safe being my authentic self in the presence of women and also stepping more into my leadership. There's more space for me to step into my leadership. If there's even one man present in the room, it shifts the energetic Mm. of the space, Mm. even unconsciously. Like we don't even recognize it sometimes that something has shifted and it's different for each woman. Mm I remember one time I was leading a a vocal improvisation group on Zoom. There were seven women on the call. We were doing various vocal improvisation things, collaborative. And then a gentleman joined, and he's a lovely, lovely gentleman. And we were about to do another, another thing that we had already set up, a game that we had decided to do. And one of the women said, Oh, and I'm going to leave him nameless because the poor guy did not... He did not. Br- he did not bring this. Right. This was from one of the women in the group. She said, "What does he want to do? Let's ask him." Yeah. There was this immediate. Yep. Oh, right, right. Let's let's ask him what he wants to do. Now, maybe that was because he was newly come into the the room, but I think a lot of it had to do with with gender, with sort of an automatic yep. assumption of yep. really we should be doing what the the male in the room wants. Yep. And this guy didn't bring that energy. I mean, it, it wasn't his choice. He wasn't right. stepping in right. there and saying, oh, now you should do what I want at all. In fact, he said, oh, no, you've got something yeah. going. You know, he stepped back and made it clear that that wasn't what he was doing. But I think there are, there are a lot of habits around yes. gender interaction yep. 
that are, are we're very well trained. <laughs> yeah, that are difficult to, <laughs> to, to defer break, to to change. Yeah, yeah, so difficult. Yeah. So you've been doing this song leading for for a long time, for eighteen years. What keeps you interested, and what mm. keeps? How do you find edges for yourself? How do you? I mean, I'm assuming that you keep growing because of course. that's sort of innate yeah. to humans, right? Yeah. Well, what I found was I needed to keep growing myself because community singing is beautiful. I love it. I love community singing. And sometimes I'm not challenged enough by the rhythms or the harmonies. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what I found myself doing, you know, even 18 years ago was um, gathering like women who are a little bit more advanced with their vocal skills and their ears were drawn to me. And so they wanted more difficult repertoire and I wanted more difficult repertoire. So Mm -hmm. I started bringing them songs from other cultures. You know, we, we really appreciate a lot of other cultures in my choir. We sing a lot of the Balkan Eastern European music and songs in Hindi and songs, you know, I I made a list here. I'm like, I know I'm going to forget, you know, we sing songs in Norwegian and Spanish and French and Latin and Gaelic and Portuguese. Right now we're learning a Ukrainian song. Mm -hmm. Um, And then all these songs are in different rhythms and different harmonies that the Western ear isn't used to. And Mm -hmm. so that's how I keep stretching myself is I stretch myself with my choir because they're ready to go there with me. And it's super fun. Mm -hmm. How do you stay interested in the simpler music, that's in the more accessible music that you're doing with your other song circles? What is it that draws you back to those songs as well? Great question. Great question. With those songs, it's more about the heart space that is um, opened yeah. in these community circle spaces. And also more about the freedom of expression, because uh-huh. that's really joyful for me to uh-huh. watch my participants feel so enlivened by the expression of the song and by the harmonies coming together uh-huh. and how everything magically fits and works. Like just to to witness, you know, people that maybe have never experienced community singing before mm-hmm. and they come into a circle and they hear all these parts weaving together and they're just like, oh, like it, I get like a contact high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and then also the piece of just staying present with my voice while I'm singing. You know, it's always pleasurable for me uh-huh. to to sing, no matter what I'm singing. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. How do you take care of yourself aside from singing when you're not singing? Oh, my gosh. Well, I live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> you're allowed my to have that opinion. Um, So I get outside a lot. You know, for me, connecting with nature really nourishes me. I like to hike and walk through the forest or down at the beach. I like to swim in the ocean. I like to stand up paddleboard. You know, of course, I like indoor activities like yoga and dance. Was this true as well when you were a child? You said you were a shy, sort of a little... Yes. Nature was, I was so introverted. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, nature was my refuge. It truly was. It was the thing that I loved most. I actually discovered how much I loved singing a little bit later on. Like I would say nine or ten, I really fell Mm -hmm. in love with my voice and singing, but I fell in love with nature. Like, 
little, you know, three, four. It was like, oh, oh. I just wanted to be outside. My parents would take me to Yosemite every summer. Uh-huh. My parents loved road trips to go see the national parks. And I just was raised really with a deep appreciation for nature. What's the earliest song you remember singing? Oh my gosh. Well, so it was on one of our road trips. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I must have been pretty little, like three and a half. Gosh, I was little, super little. Um, you are my sunshine. Because oh. I asked my mom, I asked my parents as they were driving, we were on one of our big road trips. And I said, what does harmony mean? And I know. My mom is a singer. My grandfather's a singer. Like it's, it's in my blood. Um, Okay. So you had heard the term. Yeah, for sure. What does harmony mean? And so my mom had my dad hold the melody part. My dad doesn't consider himself Uh a singer, but he really is. He has a gorgeous voice. He held the melody and she sang this harmony part. And in that moment, I was like, oh, that's what harmony is. Like I really understood it. And you remember that click. Yes. My parents don't even remember that experience but I yeah I remember that (laughs) yeah yeah and hearing both voices at once what a beautiful introduction to it because you had yes yeah your dad's voice and your mom's voice so of course you would be able to distinguish them and kind of you'd been practicing tracking them right yes yes so then to have them (laughs) sing the harmony with you yeah for you for me yeah oh that's beautiful Yeah. yeah yeah that's beautiful that's a fun question yeah you mentioned this earlier, we share a love of humming. A love of humming is a way into the voice and, and the, the healing possibilities in the hum. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, for, first let me say that when we listen, we don't only listen with our ears, but we listen with our bones. We conduct Mm. sound through our bones. So if I have a student that maybe sings out of tune, right? I'm I'm doing little air quotes, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. sings out of tune. Because I believe everyone can sing in tune. They just, all they have to do is learn how to listen. So I figure out if, if my student is listening with their ears or with their bones, And so usually I'll get them back to back with me so they can feel the vibration Mm. of the pitch that I'm on. And they're usually much more likely to be able to match it then. So Mm -hmm. when we hum, especially if we create space inside the mouth so the hum has space to move and travel, because sometimes we'll hum and everything's kind of shut down. You want to make sure you have like an egg Mm -hmm. inside, right? then that vibration goes inward. We're not expressing Mm -hmm. a hum. It's not for anyone else to hear. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, people are going to hear it, but really it is for our own experience when we hum. Um, And we hum to babies, right? If we have a a baby right up against our chest, we're Mm -hmm. nursing or just holding a baby to hum. They feel the vibration. So I love the hum so much because it tunes people in to the feeling sense and listening through their bones, conducting Mm. the sound through their bones. It's just so powerful. And for me personally, it calms me down. If I get triggered about something and I'm in my stress level shoots up, Mm -hmm. I will sit myself down and breathe and hum. 
and it calms me right down. And I think part of it too is the the breathing aspect of it. You know, the mind follows the breath. Mm-hmm. And so when we slow the breath down and then we're, mm-hmm. we're slowing that inhale down and then we're really slowing down the exhale as we hum, then the mind also gets to calm itself mm-hmm. as we go. That's why I love humming. Great reasons. Great reasons. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember when I was first working with beginning singers and people who were finding their voices again, I remember doing a lot of research into why why singing is so healthy. You know, what mm-hmm. I, I had read that singing was healthy, but why actually does it work? And one of the things that was described was the fact that when your exhale is longer than your inhale, that triggers the vagus nerve to signal the system to calm. Yes. And when you sing, when you hum, that's almost always naturally what happens. You don't have to sit there and count to yourself one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, (laughs) six. Right. Beautiful. Yes, it stimulates the vagus nerve. Yeah. And I remember also learning that... um, one of the things I was curious about was how our voices on answering machines and recordings sound different to us than they sound to ourselves when we're talking. Yes, isn't and that, that interesting? And it's because when we make sound, we literally vibrate the bones in our ears. The act of sound making, especially when you have that egg inside your mouth and you have that extra space, but the vibration in your mouth literally transmits to your inner ear and vibrates mm. the little tiny mm. bones that mm. are also responsible for for us perceiving sound. Mm. Mm-hmm. And because you're vibrating those bones, it changes the quality of the sound mm. because you're getting mm. an inner vibration, sound yep. creation, as yep. well as the exterior sound creation. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So you saying about the humming being in the bones and that just that yeah. feeling of the song. I mean, I think there's a very, very literal meaning to that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't told Heather I'm going to be asking this because I didn't know I was <laughs> going to be asking this. But I really want to ask you to talk a little bit more about loving the weird places of your voice. Mm. When your voice cracks, when you sing high mm. and it cracks, or you sing low and it kind of bottoms mm-hmm. out and starts to sound kind of flabby and wide and bleh, whatever it, you know, whatever it does that, that you think to yourself, oh, geez, now I'm hearing this and bleh. Talk me through this. Give me a, so okay. here I am. I'm your student. And okay. I say, oh, Heather, listen to this. <laughs> Trying to sing high and it sounds so squeaky. <laughs> oh, so I would say... That was beautiful. That's your voice. And let's play. Let's get curious about it. You want to? Sure. Sure. Take me through. (laughs) So we're all human, right? And we all have our own authentic expression. My voice cracks all the time. It'll get kind of flabby on the bottom. It'll get screechy at the top. And there are things that we can do to help that, right? Mm. I don't believe you. You don't believe me? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, when we sang the easy does it now, Mm -hmm. right? In order to sing with fullness on that high end, 
we need to open, relax the jaw, and lift the cheekbones and the inner, the palate, right? To create space. Sometimes we sound what we label as screechy <laughs> because mm -hmm. we're a little closed when we go for those high notes. And so if we open ourselves up, easy, um, what's too, I'm so relaxed in my jaw, right? If I were to clench up, I'm tight, right? The voice mirrors the body. So I take my students through a lot of deep breathing practices to get them nice and relaxed before we start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... So I would just have you, you know, sing that line again with your hands on your jaw. Mm. Uh-huh. Oh. And then go, go ahead and try singing that line again, whatever that line was. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that was. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> I'll get my students really connected mm. to the mask of the face. I'll get them doing, you know, ends and ngs and g's and you know all the things that get us connected to the mask and get the yeah. jaw more relaxed and get more space and that it's all okay so that question was mostly for the people on this call who aren't experienced vocalists you know who yeah. haven't gone through training yeah. and, and to know that there are it, there are steps there are things to do yeah. there are skills you gotta practice it's it's practice exactly yeah. it's not something that you're magically maybe some people do it more easily than others but it's it's learnable right yeah absolutely so now I have a question from the song leaders on the call who are saying well when you're leading your community song leading mm -hmm. circles and you're working with a group of 30 or 40 50 people however many people are there present 20 people I don't know what do you do to help those people? Because you're not giving them individual voice lessons, right? Yeah, this is my favorite part. <laughs> Yay. Actually, you know, um, I don't do it as much like, let's say, Song Village, where, you know, there's 100 people and just so many people singing outside and they can't really hear each other that much anyway. I kind of let it go. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. That's good to know that different places require different things, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, oftentimes what I'll do, and even times sometimes at a big event like that, um, but, you know, in my song circles, I'll get people singing more quietly, but with presence, right? So singing quietly doesn't mean <sighs> breathy, ah, ah, right? Uh -huh. ah. And so I teach them about lifting the mouth, lifting the palate, relaxing the jaw. If the group is starting to go flat, you know, I'll say, okay, everybody sing this again, sing this note, feel it on the roof of your mouth. Ah. Okay, everybody hold that note. That's the note that was going a little bit flat. Everybody hold it. You hear how that sounds? Ooh, look at how it feels on the crown of your head. Oh my gosh, that's so mm. good. Okay, now let's sing the line again. And when we hit that note, see if you can go for that feeling that we just got as a group, right? So I'll do nice. things like that, for example. Fabulous. <laughs> nice. Nice. And then I'll get them really listening to each other too. Like, you know, I don't do it as much at the huge group gatherings but with my own groups I get them doing partners you know they'll lean into each other and make sure that they can hear each other's voices what I really aim for with mm -hmm. my groups is that your own voice 
does a disappearing act. Mm. So when everyone's voices meet in the center on the same volume and same amount of presence and same vowel shape, your experience of your voice, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, Patricia, but and many of my students have the experience of the collective voice and aren't having the experience of the personal voice anymore. And all of a sudden it becomes like magic. So I work a lot on tuning and blending and listening and with my groups. Cause that's for me, that's where it gets really good. It's like what people talk about wanting to have with a psychedelic experience. They want to have that out of body experience, right? Yeah. They want to experience yeah. themselves as part of the whole universe rather yes. than as just their small single self. Yes. And you can get that through singing. Yeah. You can. Yes, you can. <laughs> it's addictive. That's it's why it's truly addictive. amazing. It's so addictive. Oh, oh my gosh. It's so fun. We love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. It, so talk to me a little bit about songwriting. We've talked a lot right now about song leading and about singing and voices, but you also write, you compose wonderful songs, mm. right? Mm. Thank you. Talk to me a little bit about your actual process of composing songs. How many songs are gifts that just kind of appear in full-fledged form? And then are there songs that are just as rewarding to you that you've fiddled with and fudged with and tinkered with? Or mm -hmm. tell, me about, tell me about your process. Yeah. Well, it depends on the song. You know, some of them uh -huh. come through all in one piece, like I'm channeling it. You know, the first time I ever mm -hmm. had that experience was one of the first songs I ever wrote. I claimed that I was a songwriter. Like I, you know, when, when we were given this, these words, Lumen Solare Fiat, um, for a winter solstice event to write a song with. And I was like, oh, Samantha's a songwriter in the trio. She can write the song. And then later that afternoon, I was like, wait a second, I can write a song. <laughs> and this is the first song that I ever wrote. I went out on uh, West Cliff, where I live, along the ocean, and just opened up with the lyric, Lumen Solare Fiat, which in Latin is, let the sun shine, right? And yeah. this tune, I just heard it from somewhere else. Lumen Solare and then I started to hear all of the harmonies coming through and I was like oh man I gotta get home and get my recorder you know tape recorders at that time um, uh -huh. and started recording all the parts and and then the rest of the song came through in rehearsal with the women like I heard it in my head and I was like hey you sing this you sing this and like created it in the moment like completely channeled from another lifetime that song and that was really my first songwriting experience was that so usually for me when songs come through they're like a total download mm. sometimes like easy does it now that one took some crafting like that first line easy does it now that came out in one piece and I was like oh that's cool where are we going next <laughs> you know <laughs> what's uh -huh. next and uh -huh. I just open up yeah you know and then the swoon part like that took like a couple days to settle in I kept working with different 
scales and different ways um, for those lines to go. So that one took more crafting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to pause and highlight that, that question, that sort of crucial question that you asked yourself, what's next? Yeah, what's next? And then space. Exactly. And that, that, is, that is it, truly. You have to give yourself enough space to receive a song. I mean, it is a sacred act, which is why we are being more and more careful in our, in our community singing world to give attribution to these songs, to these songwriters, mm. right? Um, to carry the name of the composer with the song because it wasn't just random. It wasn't an accident that anyone brought through a song. Like they were deep in grief or they were deep in struggle or they were elated or they were in love or, you know, they were feeling something really deeply. And then combined with opening to listening and to communicating with the muses or to, with the universe or whatever you want to call it. Right. And from there mm -hmm. receiving these songs, it takes some courage, I think, to, be quiet and to be receptive in this fast-paced culture that we're in. So I just yeah. give so many props to all the songwriters out there. You know, it is, it's, it is a big deal to tune into the heart and to tune into the ethers that much to receive music medicine for the people. And it's also so deeply satisfying. Yeah. I think at least for myself, yeah. when I, yeah. when I make enough space for a song, it's, it's so incredibly magical that there's a song there, mm. um, waiting to be heard and, and such a, um, such a complete whole self experience mm. to let yourself hear it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for me. Right. To let yourself hear it as it's singing itself through you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a powerful moment, isn't it? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about silence. Silence is part of it. We wouldn't have sound, the contrast of sound, without the silence. And... I believe that silence really is a part of the singing. Like we want to leave space. Right? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to think of a song. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> trying to think of a song. I only have like 10,000 stored in my brain <laughs> and I can't think of one. Yeah, of one, that's right. <laughs> Do you know, I have a friend whose song leads completely off the cuff. She, she goes to all of her song circles has no plans, just lets things appear. I'm like, you know, I, I can't do that. I have to have, I have a list. I don't necessarily follow the list. You know, I might get there and there might be another song that's presenting itself that's more important that needs to be sung. But I have a backup list because what happens to me in those moments is I'm like, ooh, Ooh, you know what song would be good for that? There's a song I know that would be good for yeah. that. Um, just give yeah. me like, um, wait, I'm going to come up with it in like, you know, 10 more minutes. 
uh-huh. 20 more minutes or something. Just... <laughs> yeah. I'll do that sometimes too. I definitely, you know, I'll have a, a set list, mm-hmm. but oftentimes other songs want to be sung in the moment. And you just never know. Yeah. 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 I know that I, I want to say one more thing about silence mm-hmm. and that is, I love to meditate after I chant. Sometimes I'll do it before. Sometimes I'll do it before and after. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I, I love to chant in the morning. I have a really deep chanting practice. And when I chant, I, you know, we're, we've been feeling the vibration inside of our bodies, right? And hearing the sound. And then for me, when I stop, the silence feels more silent. Mm. Because there's that contrast. And I feel like I can go even deeper into the silence and into the receptive mode. And I like to take my singers there with me. So when are the times that, that you found you've dropped your chanting practice? Or maybe you haven't ever. Mm. So I'm... No, I've dropped my chanting practice. <laughs> oh, yay. Thank you for being human. <laughs> Thank so you so human. much. I'm so glad. <sighs> Tell me what happened. How did you realize that you had dropped it? How did you get yourself back into it? Because I think that's one of the mm. aspects of a deep practice, right? Is having mm-hmm. ways to come back in. Yeah. Let me think about the most recent way I found myself back into it. Um, just a few weeks ago, because I'll go, I'll go in cycles, you know, I'll, I'll really chant deeply for three weeks, a month, and then something will shift. Usually I'll go travel. That's usually what it Uh is. Uh (laughs) I think that's what happened. Uh I went to the Yuba river with a friend and then, you know, just things felt a little discombobulated, bumpy getting back and had to find my way back. So here's, Here's one of the ways that I find my way back. I have to cleanse and clear my space. I don't want to sit and chant in a space that feels messy and disorganized and dirty. So I think when I get back from traveling, you know, there's things everywhere. I'm still trying to get organized again, you know, and I actually just don't want to sit down. (laughs) <laughs> which yeah. is pro- which is funny because that's probably the time that I <laughs> most, could use it the most. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, now my space is clear. Like it's clean. I've cleansed it. And then I'm back on it again. I, I find that that's really true for me. Like yeah. bed made, all the clothes away, my altar is nice, you know, all the uh-huh. things. And I feel feng shui really matters. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I can sit and do my practice. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's my honest answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is cleaning my space, cleaning clearing my space. Yes. <laughs> yep. I hear you. I love that you asked that because I had no idea what I was going to say and then here it is. And I appreciate that too. Now, if I get lost again, I know how to find my way back because I said it out loud <laughs> to you. <laughs> Maybe sometimes there'll be other ways back in. Who knows, right? Yeah. 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 I always find for myself that as soon as I think I've figured out, oh, this is my way back in, 
<laughs> then it doesn't work the next time I try it. Right. So I hope I haven't else. crossed your, your way back in. No, 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 no. You know, sometimes I'm inspired by my students too. You know, so I've been teaching a course called Singing is Sanctuary this fall. And when I teach my Art of Mindful Singing course as well in January, I'm really much more on top of it with my chanting practice mm -hmm. because I want to be able to practice what I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm really dedicated in those times mm -hmm. too. Yeah. What a brilliant idea to design a course that leads you to do the things you want to do. Yep. Yeah. That, that's what my whole life is about, Patricia. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. I have created a life where I just get to do the things that I love to do. And I'm always brought back to it yeah. because that's what I do. Yeah. I sing with people. Yeah. Is there anything coming up for you that you're particularly excited about that you'd like to share? Yes. We are, I just launched actually our next song leader training, song and chant leader training, I like to say, because a lot of the songs that we do are chant-like. Mm -hmm. This is cohort five. So five. I've, wow. yeah. So I've graduated four cohorts from a six-month training and we have another one coming up in January. So if you are, you know, ready, feeling ready to step into your leadership role more as a, a singer, as a song leader, then it's a good spot for you. We start in January. And of course, there will be a link in the show notes. Great. I just want to say, too, it's so exciting because we have circles all over the world now. You know, I have, I have circles, Sisters in Harmony circles in Australia and all over Europe and Mexico and Canada and all over the United States. There are these women that I've been able to nurture into stepping into their leadership and they're now leading circles of their own. And it just, it makes me feel so happy because I know for myself and my community how transformative this work is. So we're lifting up the world with singing. What's something that surprised you in one of these cohorts? Something that surprised me in one of these cohorts. Um, I've surprised myself. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> how so? Um, just in how, um, how myself I am. Like, I, I think I always had an image of myself as like, okay, I'm going to do this song leader training and it's going to kind of go like this, you know, and it'll kind of look like this and I'll have mm -hmm. these videos and the whole thing. But really what I do is I jump on these calls with women and I train them like just from my heart and I'm just my goofy self. So that's actually what surprises me. I'll watch the videos back sometimes and I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a goofball. <laughs> <laughs> But don't you think that reality of presence of really being this to the whole who you are, goofball and, you know, everything is what draws people probably and, and gives people permission <laughs> and space to be who they yeah. are. You know, goofball. we all have right. goofballs inside ourselves, right? So it's so beautiful to see somebody allowing their goofball to be there because then you can allow your own goofball yeah. to show up. And when you're not spending all that energy saying, okay, this part of me is not allowed here, and this part of me is not allowed here, and oh, this part, definitely, I'm not letting this part show up, then all of a sudden you're bringing your whole self and it's so much richer. Exactly. And it gives other people yeah. permission to do the same. 
Exactly. Yeah, which is so fun. It's it's funny because I think, you know, I've always done that, I think, in my song circles. But to see myself on video, you know, like I really surprised myself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, we're we're all goofballs at heart, aren't we? We are. And it's a good thing. <laughs> so are you good for lightning round questions? Sure. You can answer them with your inner goofball. <laughs> Whichever part shows up to answer Great. is welcome. <laughs> What's an album that was really important to you? Paul Simon, Rhythm of the Saints. Mm. It brought me out of a dark night of the soul. I was super, super depressed and having a really hard time, really struggling in college. And someone lent me their CD of Paul Simon, Rhythm of the Saints. And I put it in my CD player. It stayed there for like three months. It Like all the rhythms and the harmonies. I mean, it just brought me back to life. Praises to Paul Simon and his work with connecting through cultures. Yeah. What is your favorite soup? Butternut squash. Yes, me too. And you're the first one. Really? <laughs> Yes. That's amazing. Yes. Do you make your own? <laughs> yes. Me yeah, too. Me too. Oh. Squash and, and some apple and... Mm. Uh-huh. I like to put leeks in mine. Oh, my God. Oh, so yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And some ghee. Mm. Yeah. Oh, ooh, that would be nice. Yeah. I <laughs> put a little ghee in there. Yeah. And do you puree? Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Good. You too? Good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Replacement curse word when you're in a place where curses are not allowed. You're working with young kids or you're on some Apple platform. Shoot skis. Shoot skis. That's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Shoot skis. Shoot skis. That sounds like a very Vermont curse word. Does it? I have Seems no like idea. I should have heard that before. Oh, there's oh. a ton of skiing in Vermont. So, oh. <laughs> you know, shoot skis sounds like... <laughs> I have no idea where I got that. <laughs> what is a sound that you feel strongly about? doesn't have to be a beautiful sound or an ugly sound, just some kind of a sound that, that brings up strong feelings for you. The owls. This morning I was in my hot tub and the great horned owls were out here hooting. It was, I got up so early this morning. I was up at five. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> That sound brings me back to my childhood because I, where I grew up, right down the road, really a few hills over, um, I grew up with hearing the, the owls hooting at night. So it just like stirs a place of magic in my heart. I have only heard live heard a great horned owl knowingly maybe twice in my life. I've heard a lot of barred owls and different other uh-huh. kinds of owls, uh-huh. um, screech owls. And, but that sound was such a huge yeah. Yeah. sound. It's really resonant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then when they're talking to each other, oh, my God. It's amazing because you'll hear one from this tree, you know, on this side of the ridge and then way over here on this tree, you know, on the other side of the ridge and they're talking to each other and echoing and oh my God. Beautiful. Magical. (laughs) Who is an artist you wish more people listened to? Mm, I'm going to say Lindsay Scott. Okay. 
So we'll, um, you can look back at episode 70 to track down <laughs> some Lindsay Scott for yourself. Yeah. What I love about Lindsay Scott is how much she brings her prayer voice through her music. Mm. I really, for me, singing is prayer. And Lindsay also, I, I resonate with Lindsay in that way. So mm-hmm. I really want more people to listen to her music and mm-hmm. um, be in the prayer space with their singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that you you come at your music from the jazz background as well mm-hmm. and and have come to this place of prayer space with your music because a lot mm-hmm. of times when people come from a background that's highly technically focused, mm-hmm. as I think a lot of jazz singing is, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of pressure for for technique mm-hmm. yeah, and of course, the very best jazz singers are also thoroughly in prayer and Mm -hmm. channeling and Mm -hmm. connection with their voice. But it's hard to figure out how to get there through the technique road, right? Sure. Because technique puts us so much up in our head. It does. And out of our hearts. Yeah. And if you've started through that road, how do you then bring yourself back to that heart space? Well, it's it's really about the lyrics. Mm. Right? So... When I was singing jazz, that's one of the things I didn't love about it was I couldn't get behind the lyrics most of the time. Mm. The message of the song is embodied within us before we even sing it, right? The intention of the song is embodied and Mm. and in our hearts before the sound even leaves our mouths. And so I would say to have words that you feel, that one feels really in alignment with. Um, For me, that's how I found my way to my prayer voice with singing. You know, I was raised in Christian church and, you know, hymns and the whole thing. Um, So I had Mm -hmm. that foundation of connecting to the words of the songs and having it be prayer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I had to, you know, Mm -hmm. it was a long journey to come back to that in a way that feels authentic to me authentic to my soul to pray Mm. with my singing voice in a way that feels authentic has been a journey. Mm -hmm. But, you know, since I started singing with Tamara and Samantha, it's been there. It's been so fun. And and part of it for me, I truly believe that prayers are amplified. They're doubled when we sing them, when we sing our intention, when we sing our prayers, that energy is magnified, amplified, doubled, and so she who sings prays twice. She who sings prays twice. Exactly. Just like that. Who said that? St. Augustine. Okay. St. Augustine. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Just like he that. He said he who sings, but you know. Just yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> who sings prays twice. Exactly. That's exactly it. I want to sneak back to a question that came up in my mind, but then we, we got on to other things about your two friends that you sang with, Tamar and Samantha. Mm-hmm. You said you called them into your life. Mm. What exactly does calling them into your life look like? Great question. (laughs) Uh, It looked like a lot of prayer, a lot of journaling. So I would journal like words, women, singing, harmony, connection, um, just the words that I was ready to embody in my life. Mm -hmm. And I would just put it on my altar 
and just pray and cry. Like I just knew that I needed to sing with women. So I would pray and cry and journal and really held that vibration of that desire present with me. And after I graduated from college at Pacific University, I went back to Cabrillo College (laughs) to study more music, which is a community college here in Santa Cruz, because I just didn't feel complete yet. I wanted to study more music. And so when I went back there, I met a man who became my boyfriend and he had traveled down here with his girlfriend from Canada. That was Tamar. And he said to me, hey, you know what? I know this is a little weird, but I think you and Tamar are going to really love each other. You know, and I was like, "Okay, I'm open to meeting Tamar. And so we met each other instantly. We fell in love. And she's like, do you want to sing with my friend Samantha and I? We we just started singing together and and we would love for you to come sing with us. I was like, sure. So I came over and we sang together and that was that. Like we are lifelong friends to the core, these women. I went and sang with them this summer. I traveled up north to Canada, uh, well, northern Washington to be with them Uh this summer. And as soon as we started singing together, I burst into tears. I was like, oh, this is home in my heart. Singing with Uh. these women, like, I mean, singing with all women is home in my heart, but those women, Mm. they're home. Yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful to know that that relationship exists. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And even after Tamar went back up to Canada, a woman named Molly Hartwell started singing with Samantha and I, and we formed a group called Sirens. And Mm -hmm. even with Molly, that same kind of sisterhood came in to the Mm -hmm. space. And it was just, Mm -hmm. oh, it is. It's possible. It's so possible. Molly Hartwell wrote, Put your roots down. Yes. yes. And that song, that is one of the most downloaded songs on my podcast. My, it was like my second episode. I didn't know who'd written it at the time. And I was like, tell me if anybody knows, let me know, you know, because totally. I'm trying to track this down. And you came up with it. Do you want to know how um, I figured it out? I, I heard you started teaching it. And she was like, that's my song. Well, no, no, not oh, exactly. Not exactly. Okay, all right, tell me. I had been teaching it for years. And I didn't know who it was by. I learned it through Amy Ringel. So I tried to ask Amy Ringel who she learned it from. She couldn't remember who she learned it from. So I put it up on my website. I'm like, and who knows who this composer is, right? And one day, Molly Voxers me. You know Voxer? That app. Anyway, it's like a messaging thing. And she's like, Heather, I'm going to be leading songs at a blessing way here in Asheville. And um, do you have an idea of some songs that I could lead? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're like i've got this great got song this great i don't know song. who it's by that's exactly what happened it's really accessible people love it it's this quick teach you know all the things and i start singing it put your roots down but right and molly boxers me back she's like oh my god and she's just cracking up she's like that's my song that's my song <laughs> It was like this, like revolutionary moment for everybody. Mm. And she had no idea how that song even got out. She's like, I hardly sang that song in Santa Cruz. I don't know how it truly got out. So then she, there's, if you go to my website, you can hear her original version of Put Mm -hmm. Your Roots Down. 
which is yeah. a little bit different than the way it came through the song lines. <laughs> and I, I ended up, I think I put the link to that on the show notes for for my version of it, uh-huh. which is the telephone version, you know, that right. traveled through several <laughs> song leaders. Because because I think coming back to the song leader's original intent is always a great idea it when is. you can do it. It is. Yeah. And yeah. she gives her blessing for everyone to sing it, however they're singing it, because it just, that song brings so many people so much joy. Yeah. And, you know, if you think of it, you know, if you're singing that song a lot, maybe like drop Molly a line and give her a little money in PayPal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Giving a plug mm-hmm. for the songwriters here, because I don't mm-hmm. think Molly has seen any you know, um, money, financial, any financial recompense for that song. And everybody loves singing it. So, you know, if you think of it, if you're listening to this and you sing that song a lot, you know, if you can get in touch with me to get in touch with Molly and give her some money. Yeah. Just give him a little plug. It's one of those things that's really (laughs) awkward in the song leading world right now is how, how to actually make a living out of this thing that we love doing. Right. And how do you support the songwriters who are creating these amazing songs? Yeah, yeah. And how do you ask people to support this work? Yeah. Uh, Because the fact is that we need to pay rent. We need to pay. People need to eat. They need to buy food. They They do. You know, this. um, And the fact is that at the moment, that's that's through money. The way that we express value for something is by paying for it. Yeah. Exactly. I think truly it's an ongoing question, right? I think it's an evolving question for all of us in the song leading world right now. You know, for me, I have a donation button on my, Mm -hmm. um, on my songs page. So, you know, people can just give a donation when they feel like it, you know, and then some people, I don't know, it's different for everybody, isn't it? It and is. I like to give yeah. people money, you know, if I sing their, if, if I bring their songs to my choir, then I'll give them a little portion of proceeds from the door of the concert, right? I'll give like a little mm-hmm. $50 or, you know, something to recognize mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. our choir was earning money singing their song. Yeah, we all have choice with it, right? So what feels in alignment for each of us to ask, what feels in alignment for each of us to give, I think is the way we have to go about it for now. I think it's trickiest with things like my pocket songs group where it's not a performing group, Yeah. right? It's never going to be a performing group, but people are paying to participate. Right. Um, so I, it's, it's one of my primary income sources. Right. You know. Right. So I am earning money from the quality of the songs that I'm bringing. Right. So I certainly owe the songwriters something yeah. in this yeah. exchange. But if I paid all of my songwriters $50 a song, I would no longer earn any money from I know. my song I know. because I'm doing six to eight songs a time, you know, I and know. so trying to sort through how do I do this with honor and respect yeah. and alignment yeah. and with, with some kind of integrity. Yeah. Yeah. It's such yeah. a question right now. I like to ask people for their blessing, you know, when it's in my song circle community and not necessarily my choir. Yes. I still am earning money from that. Um, <clears throat> but what I'll usually do in that case is ask for the blessing of the songwriter to carry mm-hmm. their song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a lovely way to put it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> We're 
we're on a journey with know. it. So <laughs> let me throw this out to my learn- listeners mm-hmm. with a huge thank you to you, Heather, for coming on A Breath of Song, mm-hmm. answering all these tough questions and exploring these things. Huge thank you to you, our listeners. I'm so glad you're singing with us. We remind you that sharing the podcast with your friends really does make a difference. You are the whole entire advertising budget, now that we're speaking of <laughs> budgets and things. Um, visit abreathofsong.com to see the show notes with the links, the lyrics, Patty Piotrowski's glorious artwork. Sign up to get artwork and music in your mailbox once a week. How beautiful is that? Leave something in the tip jar to help cover costs. Before I'm Paid, 25% is donated to the Jazz Foundation of America, which directly supports jazz, blues, and roots musicians in need. The skill and the artistry of these musicians has directly shaped most of the music that I share on this podcast, yet historically they have been inadequately recognized and unfairly recompensed by people in power. And it's a small step toward restoration work that we can maybe take together. Mm. Beautiful. I'd love to sing Easy Does It Again now to help it Mm. sink in more deeply. Mm. Sure. If you're willing to share it one more time. I loved you. I love singing. All right. Thank you for joining Heather and me today for a breath of song. I am grateful that you are taking care of yourself and listening to your voice. I believe making a better world starts with tuning in to ourselves and each other, which is what we just did. So yay us. If you're liking this podcast, please share with a friend. And next time we'll plant another song. Be well. That's it. Yay. Thanks, everybody. Yay. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>